Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show, episode 53. In this show, we will review UFC Vegas 8, Smith vs. Rackick, and preview UFC Vegas 9, Overeem vs. Sakai. I am Bob Voss, your favorite garbage man, at MMA State of Mind on Twitter, here with Mikey Gilman. You can find him at Mikey Gills on Twitter. That's Gills with a Z. Also, follow the show at on Twitter at MMA for Money Show. Mikey, how are you doing tonight? Uh, not bad, not bad. I got the Z at the end of my name because it's like a high school email, you know, it's just never, I'm never getting rid of it. <laughs> hey, I got no issue with that. I still have mine uh, hidden in the back somewhere. Pretty sure it's a uh, Dutch Mafia 16 at AOL.com. So, you know, you feel feeling that, feeling that. Um, we're doing things a little bit different on this week's show. We're going to mix in some of the DraftKings that we've started doing the last few weeks, but still giving a, a lineup at the end uh, after the show, after our betting recap. This is ha- Don't worry for all of you Mike Copenhaver lovers. He's not gone. He is just simply busy. And it was kind of the perfect timing because we got Mikey Gills here who's going to be a part of the show for DraftKings. Kings anyway so he's able to fill in in the times when one of us can't so we have a solid show coming for you guys every single week well the ma4 money show is here live if you are watching right now right now on twitch periscope and youtube after the fact though you can find the show on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, overcast podcast rss feed as i mentioned we are live on twitter but also those videos live on twitter after the fact and smaller tidbits so you can get individual fight breakdowns reaction videos little things like that please subscribe you will never miss a show like comment and share to spread the word because you like us others will like us we we just 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 feel that deep down, just deep down, deep that you're gonna like us. And if not, you know what? We'll go cry in a corner. And after we wipe away the tears, we'll just get right back at it. We're gonna go right into UFC Vegas eight, Smith versus Rackick. Entertaining fight card in general, a decent amount of submissions and a couple surprises um, and replacements, as happens in COVID. I'm gonna quick read some of the results. And then we're going to re-go back through any of the interesting ones. I'll get a little bit of reaction here from Mikey since he's here. And everyone's got their own reactions on this fight. So Sean Brady, the massive, biggest favorite on the card, got a round two guillotine choke and pretty much just pretty even on the feet, but he was landing harder. And then when he decided to, brought it to the ground and got the choke. Mikey, how did you feel about Sean Brady's performance? And I don't know, I guess we're putting Aguilera back in that bottle. (laughs) (laughs) He got his neck put back in the bottle. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, now nah, Brady, uh, especially, you know, what I'm here to talk about with DraftKings, he was $9,100 last week. He paid off huge. So anybody that had him in his lineup, he was in my core. Um, th- fantastic night for him. Just, what else can you say? Dominant. Well, we had talked about both in the DraftKings segment and on the segment in the show uh, with Mike that we all like pa- uh, Pollyanna Viana. We were a little con- wondering why she was a dog uh, in this price at the plus money. Uh, didn't think she would style on her quite this way. Obviously, she got put on her back early and we were like, oh, no, she's going to be held down. But after loosening things up with uh, some elbows from bottom, got that first round arm bar. You had said that you wanted her in your DraftKings lineup. I can only imagine that she paid off pretty big with this round one arm bar. Yeah, I think uh, it was like 92 points. I think it was, she didn't land any strikes. It was the first round finish. Um, what can you say? I mean, 
you always pick the girl who wins by submission against the girl who literally loses by submission every single time. No brainer. No, it's just, a, that's a solid point. Uh, yeah. Going forward for all of you, that is a solid rule to live by. Uh, next up was a little, this one was a little bit odd. Uh, the order here might be a little bit different because given how many changes happened to this next fight we're going to talk about, it changed said order. Uh, Alex Caceres, when we first were going to talk about the show, was going to fight against uh, Chikadze. Kevin Kroom came in day of recording. Then he was gone and then replaced by Austin Springer. So then the final odds had Caceres at minus 185 against Springer. Uh, he got the round one rear naked choke after Springer went in for a ill-advised uh, takedown that got stuffed real bad. Caceres scrambled to the back and got the quick choke. Uh, I, don't, I know you had spoken about possibly putting Caceres in against Kevin Kroom. Uh, I don't know if that was still a fact against Austin Springer, but how did that work out for you? Oh, it was, uh, I kept him in just because they kept him at 7,400 points. So um, Caceres... <laughs> I had him the whole week. I had him against uh, Chikad. I had him against Chikadze. I had him against Kroom, even though Kroom was such the greatest fighter of all time. But at seventy four hundred dollars, uh, he cashed for ninety nine points of that. So Ooh. again, anybody who put him in our lineup, that's what else do you want from that? You know, just Alex Casera, seventy four hundred. I'll take it. And honestly, like I didn't see who he was fighting until like. I'm not even sure how late into the day, so I wasn't going to have any bet on that. But at the minus one eighty five, that's I probably would throw a little bit on him straight there. It's like that's well, super last minute on a guy who missed weight um, against a veteran like Alex Caceres. It's like, and it's like we've talked about, that's just a normal thing. Usually when they just do last minute replacements, they stay the same DraftKings salaries. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, once they put it up, because people, as soon as they put those salaries up, people are putting them in their lineups. So they're already submitted with money on them. So I, I guess they can't really change them, you know? Okay. But that's fair. That's fair. Awesome that makes sense. Because well, they really wouldn't have cancel out. Okay. No, it makes sense. Yeah, no, I was going to say Austin Springer. I don't even think his odds came up until maybe, what, Friday they got on there? He came in, I think, at 7,200 for the mm-hmm. for it. But, I again, I was on Alex Harris for every opponent. If they would have thrown somebody else at him, like I know they're talking about Brock Lesnar going to Bellator. If that's where the fight took mm-hmm. place, I'm still taking Alex Caceres, Alex Caceres at 7,400. Honestly, it was the, literally the only reason that I knew that Austin Springer was in this fight, and I barely even knew who Austin Springer was, but – in a weird serendipity that is social media, um, a guy that used to be uh, a trainer for my in-laws who moved posted on his Instagram because I happen to follow him for health reasons, uh, posted that Austin Springer, who apparently he helps train sometimes, was in the UFC. And I'm like, how? And then he said, he was saying, fighting Alex Caceres. I was like, oh. And then I quickly <laughs> looked at the odds. The odds still weren't posted yet. And I'm like, this is a very weird situation that's never happened to me before <laughs> yeah this co- uh, this covid time with the ufc man this is crazy you can't really trust anything uh, we, oh, we no, have a situation yeah. we'll, we'll get into it later tonight there's a couple of fights on on this card uh the DraftKings slate only has mm-hmm. eight fights up right now so i mean mm-hmm. the card we have right now is still subject to change even though i, I like the, the lineup but this covid time in the ufc is crazy oh no honestly like i think we've said on a past show before at least i know i have if you want to get in the ufc get yourself to vegas and stay somewhat near a weight you could fight at. Maybe not your natural weight, but a weight you could fight at, have clear medicals, have a valid COVID test, all of that awesome stuff. You're probably going to get a fight. <laughs> You're just, they need to fill people in there. They do not want these fights to go away. They contractually owe so many fights. It's just what they're going to do. Next yeah. up was a, an interesting fight to say the least. It's like, it's really the tale of two fights. Actually, it's, I'll put it this way. It's a mirror match. I guess that, that makes more sense for their case. Zach Cummings 
was a minus 105 at the time of recording the show against Alessio DiCirico, which I now I want to check on my pronunciation of that because they were calling Chirixio or something like that. The entire broadcast is kind of bothering me, but I'm moving past that. So the very first round, um, it's about even. Okay. But DiCirico is landing the hard, harder shots, or I might have the two rounds mixed up. Either way, one of the rounds, first round or second round, it's basically the same, exact same. They're throwing the same amount. One of them is just throwing harder. And obviously, when Cummings hits in the face, he doesn't even move. And Alessio definitely shows the power shots. Uh, striking differentials, fairly similar. And then in the third round, similar things happening. Uh, DiCirico is definitely taking some harder shots, but he's definitely laying on more, and they're starting to become more and more aggressive. Um, and then, so I, like in my opinion, I had DiCirico was going to win that fight. Like it was, it was getting to that point, even though like in the last thirty seconds, Cummings was starting to to come on, land more, a little more aggression. And then, I don't think I've ever seen such because like, okay, I watched this after the fact, and I knew there was a final second high kick from Cummings that laid Dietrich on his butt. But I'm watching it. I'm watching the time go. And he doesn't even seem in the position to be able to throw the kick. And I'm looking at the seconds. I'm like, okay, five seconds? No, he's he's way too close. He just threw a strike. There's no way he does. Four seconds. Okay, he's starting to back up a little bit, but there's still nowhere near enough room. It's like in the literally last split second of the round, he cleared off just enough room to throw it up top, and it landed square on the jaw, and he followed his butt. And then the worst part is, and the judges probably would have maybe forgotten that, flash knockdown, go team, but gotten up. Got on Bambi legs, went back down, got up, grabbed the fat. Like he was just in nowhere in a good space. Um, I didn't think it would be this close. I actually thought Dietrich was going to, I thought he should have been a bigger favorite. I thought he was going to get a very clear decision here. And with a final second high kick, Cummings pulls it off. Um, I know you were struggling this one quite a bit uh, with your DraftKings lineup. So your thoughts on Cummings versus Dietrich well, for for me personally, this is uh, the Dietrich fight. is uh, It's a two part story. I'll start with with our show's picks. Mm-hmm. You know, we did pretty good for our show. We'll, we can get into a, a full thing about it later. But Dietrich not avoiding a literal last second head kick probably cost us a five times return on our investment. Now, granted, he's not the only guy on the card that didn't perform mm-hmm. up to what we needed him to, but he is the only guy on our slate that lost. So if you would have got us 30 more points, I checked all the people that lasted above me, we would have had a five-time return on our investment if all he did, did, if he would have just avoided that one last head kick, that's all it would have been. But more than that, personally, I texted you as it was happening. When that head kick landed, I had another card with four straight finishes prior to that. And when that head kick landed, it took me out of a pool. And I, I wouldn't have won it anyway because Ratchet would have screwed me over later, but I didn't. I didn't know that was going to happen. This took me out of the running for a possible $50,000. I was at a fantasy draft at the time when this actually Mm -hmm. happened. I watched it on my phone, and I don't remember anything after the eighth round of that draft. I was sad for three straight hours. But, yeah, so for our (laughs) show's purposes, though, uh, for our show's purposes, he is the only one who really let us down. We went for five of six on that card, and he only got us 26 points. We were one kick away from having 56 points and a lot more money. So that's that's my DiCirico stories. Uh, it's a rough one, man. It's the, it's like we were me and uh, Mikey here were talking about before the show and why I've had a hot and cold relationship with DraftKings. I've played it a number of times in the past, but I usually play it for like two to three months and then don't play it for like well over a year. It's because what happens is I'm not good at multiple lineups. I have one of like, well, I think this guy's going to win. I don't understand making a secondary lineup and putting more money down initially when I think this guy's going to win. So I make my lineup, and I usually go on a good run in multiple different things and make really good money for a short period of time. And this starts to catch up with you because it's MMA. Crazy stuff happens, like this head kick at the end. I never made secondary lineups. 
So then that money starts to trickle away. And then once it trickles away enough, you're just like, no, I'm just going to cash out. That's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, Otherwise, I'm just throwing these uh, like 16 parlays that if you know anything about those, not going to do too well. If anything, you just get a little bit more bonus because if they throw a lot of strikes in a loss, they could still get you a little something. Hannah Cyphers, the, the straight MVP of the COVID pandemic UFC situation fighting for the fourth time in a year of uh, three of those being in Vegas during all this stuff. Uh, she lost tremendously to a rear naked choke in round two to uh, Molly Martin. But the reason it's so tremendous is because she actually came to fight laid Martin down in the first round and just could not find the finish chasing after her, getting on top of her landing, landing against the fence. And then kudos to Martin. She, recovered in between rounds like crazy and then a tired ciphers from trying to finish just got taken down with ease in the second round and got submitted um thoughts on hannah ciphers miss farmstrong losing it out late to molly martin so if i remember correctly this was the first fight on the card i think and Mm. a lot anytime that you're betting fights uh, we had mallory martin going for our show and she's a huge favorite against hannah ciphers we're cracking jokes about hannah ciphers on the show like oh she can't win ha ha comes right out there just starts smoking or just a molly whopping going on in the first round and you know luckily or a mallory whopping Ooh, that dynamite <laughs> drop in money um <laughs> it's not the best color man in the business for nothing folks but uh <laughs> no just uh luckily she survived it she came back out round two came out and did her thing cashed us out for 92 points that was that turned out to be a good way to start the night but that mm-hmm. was uh that's a heart pump right there Oh, definitely. Um, next up was our first bet of the night for the show. We had uh, Impa tried to listen to the broadcast so many times to get his his name. I'm going to go with King because I know it's his nickname. So King Impa, we'll go with that um, for, for one unit first. Maggie Patolo, he just hit harder with more veracity and was thrown in combination and it counted and it landed harder and Patola was wearing it on his face early. There was a cut that happened and it looked phenomenal. Um, beyond impressed with him, he fought for our money and won the money, which is even more than you could ask for. So um, really high in Impa going forward. He has recently called out uh, Marvin Vittori, which is a big jump up from Patolo, uh, in my opinion. Honestly, Pat- but although Patolo, if he was just about anybody else, probably would have went down for some of those hard, hard shots that he took. Dude is just young and tough. Uh, it hasn't quite had the wear and tear, but I don't know. Marvin Vittori is a guy I'm really, really high on in the middleweight division, so I'm hoping Impa gets a couple guys in between that point to just kind of like gradually get him there, but super impressed. Mikey, thoughts, Patolo, Impa, and the Impa performance. Well, it's exactly like we talked about on the show with Impa. Um, he, he's not always going to hunt for that finish, but he will fight for you hard. He gets stronger as the fight goes on, seemingly. He won a, you know, a decision for $8,500. He cashed us out for $7,250. It was one of the fighters on our card that we just kind of wanted a little bit more. I was hoping that he could maybe land a little bit more on him to score a little mm-hmm. bit more. $7,250 out of Impa at $8,500. I'm not quite happy with that, but, you know, it's, at the same time, it's it's not a loss. It's not anything like that. He did better than Rakic and DiTarico did, so I'll take it. Next up, we had the fight everyone's been waiting for. They made it for the third time. No, Ankalaev and Kudalaba got canceled again. It's cursed. We're moving on. Even if it's on a fight card again, I refuse to break it down. I'm done. Kudalaba tests positive for COVID twice in two two and a half weeks. I'm done. Moving on, Ricardo Lamas got a unanimous decision victory over Bill Algio. 
And honestly, he, since he's kind of come out more on the fact that he might retire, he was on a serious uh, radio with uh, Jimmy Smith talking a little bit more on that. Like, that's the kind of fight he wants to leave on. Like, it was a great fight and he won it. It was unanimous decision. And he was his boxing really came out towards the end and he was dominant uh, on top in the third. But I came away with this a little bit depressed. I've always loved Ricardo Lamas. I've said he's, he's a local guy. I uh, some mutual friends. He's. Lamas of like five years ago just kills this kid and it's not close and it's not a fight of the night because it ends so fast. And just the fact that he's at this level now, it's like, I know I'm starting to get that, to getting to be that guy in a lot of these fights. Cause it's like, and we'll talk about it in a few that uh, all my favorite fighters are slowly aging out and it's a rough time. <laughs> all the fighters that I liked when I first got into MMA and they were all new and MMA are just slight veterans and they're all just starting to fade away. But I like I do want uh, Lamas to retire on this one. It is a fight of the night performance thing to to coast out on. Uh, they have a UFC um, gym that, that's UFC gym Ricardo Lamas uh, in the area. So it's like he has another way to make money built in already. Not to mention anything else he's doing. I, just, I just hope he walks away. But performance wise, great. Um, just if he's having those type of performances against Bill Algio, I, I don't want to see him fight anyone uh, in the top 10, really. Uh, Mikey thought on this, what might be Ricardo Lamas' retirement fight? I mean, if it is, it's like you said, if it is his retirement fight, it's a good one to go out on, look good mm-hmm. in it. Well, you know, not look, you know what I meant, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's exactly like you said, old fighter, 38 years old. They did exactly what we were talking about. They were going to do on the show. They came in there. They met. The only thing that we didn't really get that we thought was going to happen was the finish. It was two finishers going in there, mm-hmm. went to a decision. That might actually be the saddest part. He doesn't go to many decisions in his career. So if he's getting to that point where he's going to start decisioning the guys on the way up, we know it doesn't get better after that. Uh, you definitely don't want to see him hang around too long and become like a BJ Penn type where the people just start making their name off of him constantly. So hats off to him. Uh, next up, a fight we all kind of went a certain way. Uh, Kim lost to Alex Grasso. She was a huge favorite on the card. She, she got she got a little bit um, cheaper as the week went. I want to say by fight time, she was down to minus 280. But when we did the show, minus 320. Gets the unanimous decision victory. Uh, I don't walk away thinking anything different than I did going into it. Um, she's just exactly where I thought she was. Still like her striking. And I think she still has room to grow. But I don't, I don't even know who I would necessarily want to see her fight next. Um, Mike, you got anything specific or just we can pass this fight? <laughs> uh, we have to pass this fight for me because I actually didn't see this. I was driving home when this one was on. Hey, so. no, no judgment. And yeah, so. of the, the I, fights. And I excited. wish I had more to offer you on that one, but oh, no. I, I don't want to act like I saw it when I didn't. Hey, which so. is appreciative. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, no, I, honestly, on this show, I strive to, for us to be honest. That's why, like, if I don't know a fighter, I'll tell you I don't know a fighter because it's I'll do, I do as much research as I can, but with how many fighters there are, you can't hit everybody. And this fight was this fight was vanilla. So let's move on. Even though I mean, the next fight wasn't too much better than vanilla. Maybe French vanilla. So it's it's a little bit better. But uh, Robbie Lawler in the co-main event, my guy. This was a second bet on the card, mainly because of the disrespect that we talked about with plus two ten. And I I still believe that because there were glimpses of Robbie Lawler in there uh, against Neil Magny. The minus two fifty Neil Magny gets the unanimous decision victory. Um, and honestly, in the beginning of the first and the second round, Robbie Lawler came out. Like he does, not super aggressive, but like enough that he's throwing strikes, kind of backing you into a corner, and that's usually where he lays hands on you against the cage, like those those huge overhands. It gets around your defense, lands big, gets a couple of body shots to have you drop your hands, then goes over, uh, slipping some of the shots in return. But Neil Magny was just 
one thing about Neil Magny, he, he just seems to be the most frustrating guy to fight because he's very clinical. He knows what will work and he'll do it even if he's getting landed on as it happens. And over the course, like those tiny decisions over the course of a fight add up to wins because there were, there, were, there were spots in this fight that lesser men, oh man, Robbie Lawler just did that to me. Oh my goodness, he's going to beat me. No, Magny knows, okay, the very next thing I'm supposed to do in this exact situation is this. I'm going to do that. And then he just goes through his process and ends up pulling it out. I mean, I, Lawler had spots, um, but still, this is another one of those things that Lawler just, he went for the finish a few times, but it just didn't happen and the output wasn't quite there. And I had said he kind of needs to get the finish here. And I was actually really excited in the first about 30 to 45 seconds of the fight. He seemed to be doing what he needed to do to get those opportunities to land those shots. But Neil Magny was good enough to roll with them, get out and just sound defense and just put enough hands on Lawler over the course of the three to get the clear unanimous. I'm not calling this a robbery or anything. Like Neil Magny won this one and Lawler, I mean, he, at this point, I want them just to put, if he wants to still fight, which it seems like he does, he sells a lot of the skill, maybe not some of the same killer instinct, but just put him in the fun fights. The name fights, not necessarily ones that have anything to do with the title, but like guys with names that'll be fun to watch. I'm still game for him still fighting, even though he's been the UFC and MMA forever, but have him some fights, I guess. Um, I, I don't even know. Uh, I guess I would ask uh, you, how is this even as a, a DraftKings scoring situation? Because I know Magni put a decent amount of strikes on there, but not like crazy amount. Yeah, no, uh, if you're talking straight DraftKings, Magni cashed for 90 points, and he was only $8,600. Oh. So 90 points for that, I'll take it. It was just such a dominant decision. He was scoring with takedowns, scoring with advancing position. Uh, he didn't land as many strikes as I wanted to, but if you're talking about Robbie Lawler's health, that's probably good. Uh, my brother and I were actually texting during this fight, and we were joking about how uh, last week we were talking about they used to train together at Hit Squad, mm-hmm. and this kind of resembled what I almost imagined it must have been like growing up under Matt Hughes at a camp. <laughs> where he must have just held you down the whole time, just big brother and you, just not really anything that you could do. But I, the, the one thing that I took for, from it is, yeah, Robbie Lawler is not that guy who's going to finish you in the first round anymore. Uh, he came out throwing, but he hasn't finished anybody since 2015 in the first yeah. round. And what I did like, though, is that in the third round at the end, he was still out there trying to take his head off. He was still swinging. Mm-hmm. He just just couldn't get it done anymore. Magny's bigger, longer, faster. Uh, so what do you... Uh, 90 points out of him, 8,600. I'll take that. It's, I, I'm a little sad right now just trying to talk about Lawler on the downslope because he's everybody's favorite fighter. But I'll still, if you put him in there against anybody, the, uh, the, if we're going to talk about like Lamas, Bill Algio. If he wants to fight those guys, take a few of those out before he goes, I'm with it. Don't hang him up yet. No, absolutely. I think he still has, I think he still has some gas in the tank, which sounds crazy considering he's about in the fighting for 20 years now. But I'm, I'd still pay to watch him. He's one of the few fighters I can still say that for uh, the main event, at least on my end. I'm not going to. Oh, and with that bet, we were even for the night. Uh, we won our first one, lost our second one for the unit. So break even plus minus zero. So rather have that than a losing night. I obviously would rather have a winning night, but I'll, I'll take breaking even opposed to a loss. Um, in the main event for me, I don't have too much to say about it. Uh, Anthony Smith lost to Alexander Rakic. I mean, everyone assumed he was going to win. I thought he was going to win. I mean, I thought it was. I uh, thought with all the damage Smith took, that uh, Rakic was going to put him out of there. I really did think that. Um, but showed that he's more than just a powerful striker. Uh, took Smith down, controlled the majority of the fight. I mean, celebrating at the end because it was it was a smart win. It absolutely was a smart win. It's a name win. He needs some of those. But everyone was hoping for a little bit more. Me included, and I know you were so. How do you feel about this main? <laughs> this fight was so frustrating to watch. When we were breaking it down, what did we talk about? We said, 
Rakic mm-hmm. was going to come out there. He mm-hmm. was going to attack that wide base stance at leg kicks. What does he do? He comes right out there, starts firing leg kicks at him one after another. I'm on my couch like, yes, let's go. Just cash it out. Cash it out. We needed this money. I'm, I told you I was watching the live DraftKings thing, and we were just I'm, – I'm watching, like, the points add up. I'm like, all right, we're going to end up here, here, here. He's going to finish this guy for sure. I'm looking at 90 extra points on my head and a lot of mm-hmm. extra money. But, no, he knocks him down. He takes him out, takes him to the ground, knocks him down with leg kicks, and then lays on him. Lays on in the rest of the round, doesn't really throw much strikes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked like at some points he was going to get submitted like five different times. I, I'm, I'm texting people, losing my mind while I'm watching this. It was so frustrating. Comes out the second round, does the same thing. Kicks him, kicks him. He gets tagged. I think it was the second round when he got tagged really hard on the jaw. He wanted nothing else to do with the stand-up. He comes out there, does it again, takes him right back down, sits on top of him. Third round's a repeat of that. Turns he only for eighty seven hundred dollars. I need more. If you're gonna have a dominant decision victory for eighty seven hundred dollars, I need more than sixty eight hundred. I'm sorry, sixty eight points. That's just, that's just not gonna get it done. I, I I'll make fun of Dicharico all I want, but what really kind of messed me up is having a dominant fighter being dominant but not doing anything with it. Uh, so Rakic, a little frustrating. Wanted a lot more out of it, and eighty seven hundred dollars, sixty eight points is a disappointment. Sorry, just the way it is. Hey, it's all good. Um, I guess. Uh... Probably should have. I assume you do, um, but I guess I should have prompted this one. What was our what was the total points for the lineup so, you gave? It, all in all, the lineup wasn't that bad. Uh, we we cashed five of the six fights were wins, and the mm. only loss we had was the Dicharico fight, which until the Sugar Ray album fourteen fifty nine mark, he came out there and you know got head kicked, and we lost a bunch of money on that. Uh, we. If he would have just gotten 30 more points, I checked all the scores above us in the pool that we were playing in. We would have got five times our money back on that. So it, it's super frustrating, but guys like Rakic didn't score. DiTarico didn't score. But five out of six isn't bad. And if you would have played that same lineup in a different pool, because that's not the only lineup that I had. That's not the only pool that I had that lineup. And that lineup mm-hmm. definitely made its money back. And if you're playing against your friends, for sure you took their money. If you're even playing in a small, you know, 20 to 30 person pool, good chance you made out with a lot of money on that. That was mm-hmm. a great lineup, except for just the one pool that we were in because uh, <laughs> I, I i could come on here and just tell you the overalls like oh if i had this playing in five it cashed out but i'm trying to be honest the one pool that we specified that it was going to play in mm-hmm. we finished 14th out of 100 and we just missed it by 10 points overall from five making five times our money hurts a little bit but mm-hmm. still a good lineup you still would have been good if you played it i think and almost every other one so right, well, there you go well how, how many total points for four oh sorry 448 see there you go I'm the, the only reason that I, w- I want the specific points is because like I, I'm well. That's one aspect of uh, Jeff DraftKings I'm well aware of because like I've, I know I've known where my totals have been. And yes, yeah. if you're anytime I would do it, I would be in an under twenty person typically. And anytime I broke three fifty, you're pretty much guaranteed top three. So in most of the pools you guys are in, you're hitting tops on that, and you're just. We're just trying to give you the best to go for the bigger ones, but you could take one of these and go into any one of the small ones or a bunch of them and like at least make your money back. And the goal is to at least make your money back always yeah. for everything. So net positive we'll go with. Um, we are going to jump directly into uh, UFC Vegas 9. Uh, obviously, this is going to be a little bit different. Like we have said, we are going to uh, – I will do a breakdown – well, some of these will be quick picks, as always. Uh, I will do a breakdown. Mikey will do a breakdown, and then he'll also go into a little bit of the DraftKings on each one. Uh, we do have two bets for this fight card, uh, one a little bit earlier on and one a little bit later on, but nice nice little spread out. Um, sorry, sorry for the first fight on the card, at least how they have it listed now. Brian Kelleher uh, was supposed to fight Ricky Simon, which is or Simone, whichever way we're, or Hickey, whatever we're doing, and that would have been a fantastic fight. But that's not the fight that's happening. He's a minus 25 area against Kevin Natividad. Natividad. 
got it. Um, Natividad fights at Arizona Combat Sports, which has such luminaries as Estevan Pion and Clifford Starks and other luminaries. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm being a little bit facetious. He um, isn't at the best camp and last like late notice against Brian Kelleher, who is... I, I, I just think he's going to put him out. I, I really do. Uh, I think he has just an edge a little bit everywhere with an experience in striking in wrestling in just his grappling in general. So I'm, I'm just quick pick Brian Kelleher. And I don't see how I could do this as a bet given his price. Mikey. All right. So coming off what you just said, uh, Brian Kelleher, 34, he's 21 and 11, eight knockouts, nine submissions. This guy is just a true finisher. He's coming off a loss against Cody Stammen uh, earlier this year. And if you remember, that was the fight that Cody Stammen, he had lost his brother earlier that week. So it's kind of tough. Even if you're Brian Keller, you're in a real tough spot with that fight. Even if you win, you kind of lose. But when he lost, he actually really lost that one pretty bad. Uh, he's two and three in his last five. Uh, he's definitely the more experienced fighter out of these two. But you were talking about uh, Kevin Feliz and the camp he fights at. A lot of people, uh, I'm sorry, not, not that was a joke I had written in my head. He's not, not V-Dodd. Nafidad, uh, 27 years old, nine and one, five knockouts and one sub. Now, on the surface, that sounds great. Like, but if you're like me, you've never heard of him. You probably want to do a little bit of a deeper dive. And what I found was not good. I'm going to read you the records of some of the opponents that he's fought in his 10 career fights. 10 and eight was his last opponent. Not bad, right? 10 and six before that. All right, that's not too bad. But then before that, two and two, nine and eight, oh and two. And guess what? For his next five, the first five of his career, doesn't get any better. In fact, the only thing that I could find on this guy that was like even something relative or uh, worthy of mentioning was that he has a fight, a win against Erwin Rivera, who fought uh, not on the last card, the one before that, maybe. I'm, mm. Yeah. But two, uh, ago, I believe. two ago, there we go. Yeah. And he won that one by majority decision, wasn't anything crazy. The one loss he has in his career is he ran right into a left hand, literally sprinted across. It was a nine-second fight. He ran across the cage and just ran right into a guy's left hand, knocked out. Kelleher should roll on this guy. There's no prices on these guys for DraftKings yet, but if, if, when Kelleher comes available, if he's anything close to a good price, he's going to be in my core lineup. Uh, next up, we have Cole Smith. He's plus 175 versus Hunter Azur, uh, minus 210. Hunter Azur, his claim to fame. And my opinion, I'm just full disclosure, I'm picking him this fight. No better, but picking him. Uh, he lost to Brian Kelleher. Uh, with a left hook and finishing it, I believe a hammer fist uh, in the second round, but in my opinion was winning the fight up until then and actually had a great showing himself as a win over Brett Katona, which a lot of people are fairly high on. Cole Smith, um, his biggest claim to fame is that he beat the corpse of Mitch Mag- uh, Gagnon, who, or Gagnon, I can always pronounce his name wrong, who had a close fight with Burrell back when Burrell may or may not have still been good. Um, I'm gonna, I, I, I've been impressed Hunter Azur with his level of competition, how well he's done, and I'm just quick pick on him here, Mike, Mikey. Yeah, Hunter Azor, eight and one, three knockouts, one submission. Uh, won his first career eight fights, like you said in May of this year. It was TKO by Brian Keller, a real bad knockout. Um, he's one and one in the UFC after the Dana White Contender Series. He's given up a few inches, but he's like the physically bigger fighter. He's a really strong guy. One thing I was really impressed with when I looked him up was he's a four-time state wrestling champion in uh, Montana. Now, I know Montana is not the most popular state, but being a four-time state champion in wrestling in anywhere is pretty impressive. And that should help when he goes against Cole Smith, 31 years old, 7-1, two knockouts, three subs. Uh, started off his career with seven straight wins. Uh, lost his last fight 11 months ago to Miles Johns. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC. 
when these two guys go together, I, I don't know that Cole Smith has a great real path to victory here, but if it is, I think it's just going to be using his physical size to maybe try to tie around Azura. We've seen him gas out before in fights, but uh, for, let's see here, $9,100 is Hunter Reserve's price on this. I do expect him to win, but that is a, with the cardio issues he's shown in the past, I'm not willing to pay $9,100 for him. He's not going to be in a ton of my lineups. Cole Smith at 7,100, real big underdog. I just don't think he's got a real path to victory here. So Azur KO'd three months ago. You're never really sure how he's going to come back from that. It's kind of a stay away from me for everything, unless you just, you have the money for Azur. But I think there's better people on this card at that price. Next up, we have odds that do not make sense to me. And judging by our conversation earlier, do not make sense to you. So Marcos Rogerio de Lima is minus 105. The should be heavy, uh, light heavyweight, maybe even middleweight, but light heavyweight who doesn't like to get in shape. So he's a heavyweight, but hasn't done very well at heavyweight and lost to really anyone with a notable somewhat kind of name at heavyweight. Anyone with a decent skill set, especially if they have a submission offense at light heavyweight, uh, Ovens improving being one of them, Nikita Krylov being one of them, and Dukulov being one of them, and he even got submitted by Stefan Struve in 2019. Yes, Stefan Struve in 2019 he's fighting this guy this newcomer alexander romanov who uh starting to look into this fight card was actually uh you brought him up in the uh in a message to me and i started looking into his videos then and then had heard from uh real mike this morning that he wanted this to be his bet this guy's my at minus 115 you gotta love anybody whose base is sumo like <laughs> I think you don't see him very often and I'm going to go ahead and say it like um, this big jump right now, but I'm going to say this guy's the best guy to come out of Moldova to fight in the UFC. I'm sorry. Uh, I am Kudalaba, but I think this is good. This guy's at uh, nickname King Kong. He is undefeated. He is pushing the heavyweight limit at six two. Uh, they don't list his reach and he isn't like the most chiseled physique, but he straight comes at guys and will get you in a choke he will beat you submission like he's he's coming at you a lot anyone that has wins uh via slam i'm all for and i do not think i do not think that uh Pizau, or Pizau, yeah there you go can take that kind of heat coming at him even early um i think he has just about every advantage here uh power uh ground like literally everything other than uh maybe reach because i know that uh, Delima is a bit long, but he doesn't use his length. So minus 115 for me uh, is an absolute steal. And right, Mike, from the show, we, again, find more delineations in between the two of you, because especially when only one of you is here, it's going to be confusing talking about the other one. And on top of everything, I'm also talking into a mic, but this is our first bet of the night at the minus one, actually it's minus, minus 120 now, so we'll give you those out there. At minus 120, so 1.2 units to win the one unit. Mikey, your new favorite fighter. How you liking him? All right, so I was t- I was texting you. You could probably still feel the excitement in my voice when I was texting you. I, I started watching uh, videos on Alexander uh, Romanoff the other day. I have not been this excited for a heavyweight prospect in a long time. Like the Romanoff dynasty, it is beginning this week. Like, and the Romanoff dynasty, like, like seriously, the headquarters of the capital city is Suplex City. This dude, Brock Lesnar's people for real, giant heavyweight men. He picks them up like Alexander Carolyn used to do and just throws them completely over his head, spiking them down like Kevin Randleman did to Fedor. He's fantastic. He, he's, he's a grappler first. He's a big dude, like you said. Uh, super agile for a guy his size, too. And I have never seen top control from a guy at heavyweight, maybe since, like, 
or active top control rather, since Kane Velasquez, as busy as he gets when he gets on top of you, he just does not stop. He's going for submissions. He is punching you nonstop. He does not give guys a chance to breathe. And when he's on top of you, he is a mountain. He's huge, 265 pounds, six foot two. So that's not a tall, that's not Stefan Struve. That weight isn't stretched out. That is all centered around his body. He Donkey Kong punches people. His highlight reel is the most fun thing that you will watch this year. Project Power on Netflix is pretty cool. I'll give it that. But not as cool as Romanoff's highlight reel. Go on YouTube. I beg you to watch it. And he's fighting. He's fighting Rogério uh, de Lima, four and four in his last eight. Has not won two straight since two uh, since 2014. Uh, he did win his last fight, but like you said, it's even funny when you were reading your notes. I had mine. He like I specified the 2019 version of Stefan Struve that he lost to. If you lost to the 2019 version of Stefan Struve, I'm not picking you, especially against this guy. Alexander Romanov is in my core lineup. 11 and 0, 11 finishes, five KOs, six subs, $8,400. Give me him all day long. Southpaw fighter loves to throw kicks too when he's standing. Ah, I can't could not be more excited for this right now. And Big, huge heavyweight fighting a guy who used a natural 205-er. Let's go all day long. For, uh, for Rogerio de Lima, $7,800 on DraftKings. Total stay away from me. I don't really see too much of a path to victory for him. Give me Romanoff at 8400 Next one, I'm going to kind of skim over. Uh, no offense to the fighters in here. Um, Antena de la Rosa is plus 115 versus Viviana uh, Araujo, minus 175. Uh, de la Rosa coming off that night where her and her husband both fought and he got brutally destroyed and she pulled off a win, but um, still not high on either side of that marriage there. Viviana Rajo has actually impressed me uh, quite a bit more uh, in a weird way. I, I don't like give too much credit to people that lose uh, to Jessica. I, I mean, cause it's cause it's Jessica. I, um, but I mean, in terms of, I guess, a benchmark in the division, there it is, but it was a close decision that she lost. Jessica, I, uh, had beaten Alexis Davis previously, so a decent name in the division, but, um, I, don't know, I, I just think she's the more skilled of the two, uh, outside of that. It's pretty much where my pick goes, uh, on a rojo, no bet. Mikey, DraftKings perspective or just a straight pick? Uh, DraftKings perspective for sure. Um, I have a rojo, $8,900, huge price tag. But I think she's worth it. You know, she's coming off a loss, but before that, it won five straight. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt on the on the feet. I think she has the advantage too. Talked about the Jessica I loss, but I mean, she's two and one since coming into the UFC. I think she'll be able to get the win here. Better striking, more powerful, more capable of pulling off a submission. Uh, good at scrambles, good at getting off her back. Uh, for eighty nine hundred, I like Arajo. Uh, I, yeah, I have her listed in my core lineup, but I was thinking about something just before we went on. I'm going to keep her in our core lineup. We're going to play with her. This That did not sound right. I'm sorry. We're going to play her. <laughs> sorry. We're going to play her this week. Uh, as far as De La Rosa goes, uh, it's pretty much everything you just said. Uh, her only loss since joining the UFC was to KGB Lee, and that's not too bad. But she doesn't have any power. She's never KO'd anybody. 11-5, 11-5, eight submissions, uh, three decisions. $7,300. I don't really think she has much, but it's so cheap and she does have a lot of submissions. I could see putting her in some lineups just in case, but Araujo, $8,900 here. Uh, she's going to be in our core lineup. She's going to be in the show's lineup tonight. Next up, one of my favorite Polish fighters, actually, Bartos Fabinski is minus 145 versus Andrei uh, Muniz, plus 125. One interesting note about uh, Fabinski, other than his 
huge layoff uh, after 2015 for like three years. Um, he was one of the fighters that was supposed to fight in uh, the March card that got canceled uh, because of the pandemic and the lockdowns of borders. And they actually let him take a cage warriors fight against another UFC fighter, as opposed to having to try to make it up back in the States. So he fought Darren Stewart in a cage warriors fight. I mean that he won, but it's super interesting. Uh, I've liked uh, Fabinski for a while, been very impressed by him. Uh, I think he has way more uh, output and finishing ability here. Um, I'm actually a little surprised uh, that he's minus 145, given his going to like other sports terminology, his strength of schedule. Um, like I, I would think he'd be much higher here. So I, I don't, I don't know what the issue is um, here against uh, Andre Munez. So a quick pick here is just Fabinski. I don't have a bet on it because like just with, with how almost how close it is to even money. I'm almost getting nervous that this something's off that I don't know. Um, although if he gets too close to even money, I might have to throw something on there just because I, I think these odds are a bit ridiculous in my opinion. Mikey, thoughts on Fabinski versus Munez? Man, this is a tough pick for me from a DraftKings perspective here. You know, uh, Fabinski, he's a very you know busy fighter once he gets on top. I was looking at the point totals in his last couple of fights, uh, his last couple of wins, rather. is 121, 99, and 101. So when he does take you down, which is his path to victory, he's going to stay busy enough to score you those points. Uh, like I said, he's 4-1 and one in his last five, uh, but of his three career losses, two of them are by submission which is going to be a problem when you're fighting a guy like Muniz because 12 of his 19 victories in his career are by submission. So $7,600, that could play big. And Fabinski is much more expensive at 86. It's kind of a question of what you think is going to happen in this fight. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Fabinski can stay on top of him for 15 minutes and not get submitted? Or do you think he can stay on top of him and stay busy? Because I, I don't think there's a way to do both of those against a guy who's going to be throwing up submissions the whole time. I, I originally had Fabinski in our lineup for this for this card, but I'm 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 thinking about taking him out of there. I have like two different options. We'll go over it at the end. But they both have a route. To, they both have a route to score points here. They both can. Munas could be a great underdog play for the straight pick. I'm going to pick Fabinski. But uh, when we talk about our underdogs, Munas is going to be one of the top ones. Okay. Next up, a fight that. I'm a little lukewarm on uh, only because uh, like I was telling Mikey before the show, uh, a lot of people that I respect are on Turner and I actually do like Turner here at he's currently plus 155. Sorry, I should actually say the fighters and their odds first be professional. Tiago Moises is minus 175 against Jalen Turner plus 155. So we're past that part. Jalen Turner. I haven't been overly uh, impressed with him uh, like enough that um, I do think these odds are a bit high uh, on him. Uh, Although I'm not sure if that's the cause or the fact that I have never been high uh, on Moises. Um, he has been a fighter in the past that. I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, I mean, he beat 2020 Michael Johnson. Um, like he, he, he has just the right mixture of names and dates. Um, and this makes more sense in a second uh, with his wins and losses that really throw you. So if you would just look blindly at his record and see some people he's beaten and some people he's lost, like he beat Kurt Hollibaugh. Kurt Hollibaugh's pretty good. Okay, okay, I, I've seen Kurt Hollibaugh fight. He beat Michael Johnson. Okay, well, he beat, beat, he beat Michael Johnson. Okay, that, that, that's good. Michael Johnson was, good, was a good lightweight. When did he fight him? Like 2015, 2014, 2020? Um, lost to Benil Darius, but who doesn't? Um, 
I don't know. I've never been overly high of him. I've been a little bit higher on Jalen Turner. I think he is uh, such a tall, long, uh, lightweight, uh, 6'3", 75-inch reach. He's still young. He is getting uh, better. He's training his striking at uh, Ruka with, uh, I believe, Cyborg is still over there. I mean, BJ Penn, but I guess it's not helping out too much. But he great striking and boxing uh, coming out of there, which he could really use. Um I, I guess the, the worst thing about him is just his defense isn't 100% up to par always, but uh, in terms of striking, but I don't know. So I, I'm going to go just, just pick, just pick, I'm going to go with Turner. But uh, as you can tell, I'm kind of t- torn here. So don't take this as a gospel. Uh, Mikey, Jalen Turner as the big underdog versus Tiago Moises. Yeah, uh, we have a, a running theme, it seems, last couple of weeks on this show, and it's called disrespect. And uh, <laughs> When it comes to these odds and uh, the odds and the drafting prices, that's that's what I'm seeing right now. Jalen Turner coming off for seventy two hundred dollars. Uh, this could turn out to be a bigger gift than the Alex Caceres one last last week. You look at uh, Jalen Turner nine and five, eight knockouts, one submission. Whew, that's a high finishing rate for seventy two hundred dollars. Talking about a Bellator veteran, three and two in his last five. You talked about the tough fight that. Uh, Moises had when he entered the UFC against Benil Darius. His first fight in the UFC was Vicente Luque. So the UFC basically took both of these guys, gave him a pat on the ass, like, go get him, kid. But, you know, I, I think you can throw both of those losses out for each guy. I mean, what do you expect? But I, I love Jalen Turner, all the things I've seen. He's incredibly athletic, great kicks, mixes them into the body, goes to the head a lot. He's going to have six inches of height and seven inches of reach to go with it. I looked up the stats. He has... He lands twice as many significant strikes per minute than Moises does. He's never been submitted, which is probably Moises' biggest path to victory. Although, to be fair, Jalen Turner's never really fought a submission artist like Moises. But, you know, to win this fight, he basically has to be a better version of Michael Johnson. He has to go in there. He has to light this dude up on the feet and just not get caught in any stupid Imanari role like leg locks, really. But, I mean, he's fighting a guy like... Uh, Tiago Moises, 13-4, three KOs, five subs for $9,000. That's heavy. One thing about Moises, though, is I, one of the reasons I'm picking against him is because I've been onto this guy for years. The reason is I used to train at Conquest Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Maryland, and that's where the former LFA lightweight, lightweight champion Rob Watley fought. So I saw these guys. I've, saw, I've been watching Moises fight since 2017, and the same things that I saw against Watley in LFA are the same things I'm still seeing today. The guy, not the most technical striker, throws you know pretty slow stuff, just allows himself to get bullied around the cage by better strikers. Uh, yeah, you know, what I'm watching the Watley when he, he blanked him 50 to 45. And a lot of that fight was Moises backing up and just kind of getting punched. Other than that, he was getting pushed against the cage. Wasn't going for anything crazy. Uh, he's, he's tough. He's never been finished. Michael Johnson threw basically everything that he could possibly throw at him. Uh, he likes to counter on the feet, throws a lot of head kicks, but I don't think that's going to help a guy uh, when you're fighting a guy who's six inches taller and seven inches of reach. So for me, $9,000 is a really high price for somebody that I think is just going to get kind of tagged on the outside. So for me, I'm all day. I'm picking them for the straight win and on DraftKings, Jalen Turner, $7,200. Uh, Moises, Tiago Moises, if you can afford him on a card that you're happy with a couple underdogs, maybe give him a shot, but he's not going to be on any of mine. Next up is the next bet we have on this card. And normally when I have a bet on a fight, I'm going to give you a very detail breakdown and but every once in a while there is just a straight simple matchup and this is one of those fights michelle Pereira, yeah 
that crazy dude. He is minus 115 versus Alim Amadeov, minus 105. So the only way that this, these odds make any sense to me is the fact that they're afraid that Pereira is either going to gas himself out doing something crazy or he's going to get something stopped from an illegal strike, which is also something crazy. And obviously those things can happen. But this Zalim Amadeov, he comes in for the finish in the first round. He doesn't have much of a gas tank either. He goes for broke early. He throws wild punches. He will come straight. He's coming with power. This is the perfect kind of guy for Pereira to fight to style on and absolutely put just some crazy spinning switch roundhouse question mark kick across the limb's face. And then that's all she wrote. It's just so, it's just uh, like here's a silver platter and it's there. You could tell the UFC wants to get this guy another highlight reel just by going by the pass of these two fighters. And here it is. These odds make no sense to me. Minus 115 is an absolute steal. It should at least be minus 150 or higher unless you're just absolutely scared of what might happen, which apparently the odds makers are. But you know what? At this point, I am not. I think this is going to be an easy fight for him. This may blow up in my face. Or it's going to blow up in the limbs, which is, I think, what's going to happen. So it's to win one unit at the minus 115. So it's 1.15 units to win the one unit. And that's our second bet for the card. Mikey, I can only imagine that Pereira is just, you're salivating on him for DraftKings. <laughs> Break it down for me. So, yeah, banger alert. Banger alert all day right here. Uh, Pereira, 23 and 11, 10 KOs, 6 subs. Uh, going off for $8,200 in this fight. I, lo- I love it. Like, a guy that's going to come out there and he's going to throw some like weird like Matrix stuff. Like, Anytime Pereira fights, it makes me think of that movie, Never Back Down. Remember that scene where the guy's doing all like the crazy weird stuff and then he gets knocked out? No, this is the revenge of that guy. This is that guy coming into the UFC. Yeah. This, is, this is his tour. He's coming back for it. Uh, you know, he's lo- it's, Technically, he's lost two in a row, but he was fighting Diego Sanchez last when he, when, uh, he, he lost that fight, air quotes, to Diego Sanchez. I, I, I pulled up my tweet from when it happened. I actually said, Diego Sanchez is a veteran in all caps. Because if you watch that fight, he wasn't hurt, but he knew he was going to lose the fight, so he just cashed out for the other half of his paycheck. Oh, yeah. Can't lie. Kind of respect that. But uh, <laughs> going against uh, Amadiev, like you said, uh, lost his last two fights, coming off a knockout loss in November. Tough guy. going to come right at you. You're going to come out swinging. Um, an X factor for me is that he's kind of nuts, apparently. I, I hear stories of him, like from Max Griffin, where he's chasing guys around the hotel uh, cafeteria. It's like trying to go, trying to fight people to the point where Max Griffin actually had to have a police escort like all morning, the whole morning of the fight. Which, dude, if you make a UFC fighter get a police escort throughout the hotel, you do have my respect, just in the sense that you might do anything. He might punch him during the stare down. We might have like a who like a Heath a Heath Herring in Japan incident. I don't know, but uh, but no, you know, I like that kind of like it's like if you're gonna be that guy who's just gonna come forward against Pereira, who's more a much more technical striker. I think even when he's mm-hmm. if he can tone down his wildness and just kind of be a little more technical, just be a little less dumb with the crazy stuff. He should roll easily here for $8,200 core lineup guy. I actually have it written down. Uh, He's a prime candidate for core, but sometimes he's just too dumb. But tonight with the card right now, $8,200, we're going to take that. But with that being said, Amadio's a finisher, $8,000. He is going to come out there. He is going to come out swinging for it. It's MMA. Anything can happen. He could be a prime candidate, $8,000. He's got eight knockouts. I'm sorry, eight wins, eight knockouts. You know what he's coming out there to do. Anything can happen. Both of these guys could be in play on different cards, but definitely, definitely rolling with Pereira. So we're going to be a little weird for the next two fights, at least, at least for me. So this next one, I'm basically not going to break down. Sajar Eubanks versus uh, Carol Rosa, mainly from the fact that it's going to be a split decision either way. 
Uh, this is prime candidate for that type of a fight. And I always undervalue Eubanks. Just always do. So I'm not trusting even my own breakdown on this one because I'm leaning towards Rosa, but it's going to be a close decision. But I know I undervalue Eubanks always. So I will pick Rosa, but I'm not going to try to go into it too much. I don't want to sway anybody because I just tend, there's certain fighters I call their fights wrong and I own up to it. And I'll always say, I preface the breakdown by it. And Eubanks is one of those fighters. So I'm just going to take a big step back and give this one to Mikey as much as he does or does not want to break this one down. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do an abridged version of what I got here. Uh, picking Carol Rosa overall, she's at $8,500, 13 and three in her career, four KOs, two submissions. The reason I'm picking her at 8,500 in this fight is pretty simple. Her last two fights, she's combined for 228 points. She's a very busy fighter. She's twice as busy in the cage as Eubanks is. And I just personally, when I watch tape on these two, I think Carol Rosa has an easy path to victory here. She's going to be a core lineup player for us. I think she'll be able to avoid all those takedowns, outpace Eubanks. Maybe put her away late when she fades, but uh, you know the volume is so good. I can't say no to that at 85. Eubanks for me at 7,700. She's a stay away. I'm not going to have her in any of my lineups, but Rosa tonight is going to be in our lineup. In the co-main event, obviously it's where this is the co-main event. Ovin St. Prove plus 110 versus Alonzo Menafield minus 130. Does that sound familiar? That's right, because they already booked this fight. This is another one of the light heavyweight fights. Yes, light heavyweight. Ovin St. Prove is back down at light heavyweight that was going to be booked two weeks ago and OSP popped on weigh-in day for COVID. Uh, so this is another light heavyweight fight that's happening that way. If you really, really want my thoughts on this one, go to the show two weeks ago and listen to it. I'm not going to give a full breakdown because I still feel exactly the same way other than the fact that I'm not betting Menafield anymore. But that's because with all of these someone tests positive and then comes back inside of two weeks, the double weight cut. There's just a lot more X factors that I don't necessarily know how to gauge. Uh, and I was trying to do that with the Q level last time and that one got canceled too. So for all I know, this is going to get canceled as well. I'm still picking Menafield, but I'm not going to bet it like I was going to last time, even though I do think he's going to put hands on OSP. And I guess the double weight cut could probably even add to that. The fact that he's coming down from heavyweight for this. So picking Menafield, do you think he gets the finish? I used to have a bet on this fight, but now that it's on a new fight card, I don't. Um, I would assume, uh, given uh, the finishing rate of both these guys, that the DraftKings uh, salaries are pretty decent. Uh, where are you for this co-main event? Uh, well, the DraftKings salaries, this is one of the two fights on the card that doesn't have a DraftKings salary yet, so we're going to oh. have to revisit this later. It doesn't matter because I wasn't planning on playing either of these two, mm -hmm. um, especially Ovin St. Peru. He's 37 years old. He was losing decisions to Volkan Ozdemir mm -hmm. before it was cool. Uh, and OSP fights are weird. <laughs> they, they are weird. You never know what weird. you never know what he could do. The fight could mm -hmm. he could be losing the whole fight and then pull something cool out. He could be on his back foot the entire fight. You just don't know what you're going to get from him. Mm -hmm. I think you know we kind of talked about the uh, the pop quiz popcorn last week. That might be him this week. Yeah. But uh, Alonzo Manafield, like you said, 32 years old, Bellator LFA vet, two and one in the UFC. Um, let's see. All of his fights have been finishes, so that's something to go for. But again, I don't know what to expect from OSP in this fight, so I don't know if I can trust him on here. I, I would love to break it down further as far as relation to the DraftKings, but I don't know the prices for it yet. So uh, stay on stay on Twitter. Uh, we'll we'll update you from our account to as when the, when the DraftKings sites updates. But if I had to pick a straight pick right now, it would be Menafield. But I'm not betting it obviously because I can't yet. Um, going forward, we did that this last time. Um, 
keep an eye out on the main Twitter account because obviously DraftKings, even more so than just betting with fights getting broken off. Like if, if we have one of the fights in the lineup or if Mikey has one of the fights in our lineup and one of those gets canceled for any reason, wait or cancellation, it's like we'll have something in there to get refilled. So that might get retweeted day of, uh, hopefully giving you enough time to fix. Obviously, uh, since you're not worried about numbers and odds changing like you are with betting, it's not as like, oh, no, I need to put it in right now. You can wait till it's closer to make sure you get the appropriate lineup and not have to sp- spam to try to fix it. Um, now we're going to move on to the main event, which to, it's interesting and I'm confused by it, <laughs> but I refuse to bet it for three reasons. And I'll get to each one of those. It's uh, Alistair Overeem minus 145 versus Augusto Sakai plus 125. Um, first reason I'm not going to bet it. I try to avoid betting main events because you just put a lot of undue feeling and emotion into it and you have a tendency to over-exaggerate one aspect of it. And then part of that too, and uh, Mike has said this before, that if like one of your bets is on the main event, you just end the fight the night on a sour note if you lose. Um, it's really like that. Uh, number two. So you got you're you're telling me that Augusto Sakai, the guy who okay, for those of you watching live, you'll see this, but those that are listening later, I'm about to do the parentheses with my fingers. Augusto Sakai got a decision win over Andre Arlovsky. Um, split decision win that I do. Not, I don't think I know a single person that actually scored it for him. Um, like he, he seems to go to split. Um, he he won a split to Ivanov. That one I actually did uh, go for Sakai. Uh, he finished a faded Tybura, who everyone thought was going to be good, and then had a rush of losses. He finished Chase Sherman. Congratulations, everyone finishes Chase Sherman. Like it, he has a record that seems so much better than it is. I mean, honestly, his best—and it's not even a victory; it's a loss. His best career, anything in my opinion, is the split decision loss to Chase Congo and Bellator. Because to me, Chase Congo is a hard, 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 hard out, and if you can get it close enough to, against him to even get a possibility of a win there. You are, I'm not going to say an elite heavyweight, but you're probably good to be in the UFC. There you go. Um, Alistair Overeem is just by far a better striker, um, has an underrated ground game, great takedown defense. He's become a savvy veteran that knows how to protect his chin, control his output over the course of a five-round fight. I mean, and he's done it. I mean, I, ever, people are going to go talk about the, the, the ratchet, the... Uh, the Rosenstrike finish. He was winning that fight. Clearly, he got a hard shot, landed in the last couple seconds of the fight, and stumbled back, and then tried to stand and stumbled. That's really what happened. But he won the fight regardless of that. Could that happen here? I guess I don't. I don't give Sakai that type of one. Like I'm not gonna say Sakai has Rosenstrike power because because he doesn't. Um, I'm just I'm so confused by, by the odds. But again, that's secondary thing. Why I can't bet this fight is the Overeem chin. It's like it's not what it once was. He's better at moving with shots. He's better at blocking them, uh, parrying, staying on the outside. All these great, 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 great things. But I just, I can't see it. Um, if this get, again, if this is one of the ones that gets close to even. I don't want to be tricked to bet an overeem fight again and get pissed. Um, and the third thing is Sakai. I don't think he's very good. And I've thought that since he fought Andre Arlovsky. And he hasn't proven to me that he is since then. So I don't know if I'm overly weighing that opinion on him for this matchup or I'm overrating Overeem, which I tend to do. He is one of my more favorite fighters. So 
that withstanding. But I'm picking Overeem. I think he should cruise. And honestly, I think he could get a finish on a tired Sakai late. So I'm, I'm picking Overeem. I have no bet on this whatsoever. Mikey DraftKings. And then if, if you want to, write at, because we could do the bet review after that. If you want to go right after that, because you can go straight into the lineup that you're thinking of for this fight card before we do. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, that works. Uh, right, right off the bat, let's talk about uh, Augustus Guy. Twenty-nine years old, fifteen and one, eleven knockouts. He does come in for the finish, which against Overeem, we all know he could. You touch Overeem's chin, I mean, my God, like mm-hmm. my my joke about Overeem is that he's Direct TV. Alistair Overeem is Direct TV. He'll give you every movie package that you want. He'll give you, you know, all the all the all the sports channels, whatever you want. But when that storm comes, lights out. You don't get anything from him. So that's that's what do you what do you, what can you bet on when you bet on Overeem? Is what I'm not going to say tonight because we're going to bet on him. Uh, at least on DraftKings we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember earlier in the show when I said that we uh, we're going to put Fabinski in, but we're going to put somebody else in later. That somebody mm-hmm. else is going to be Alistair Overeem tonight. Mm-hmm. 24 knockouts, 17 submissions in his career. One of the reasons that we talked about it is what you just said when Sakai fought. Uh, Czech Congo and Bellator, where Czech Congo just kind of held on to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this fight is going to be grappling. A lot of it's going to be Alistair Overeem trying to avoid damage, trying not to let his chin get touched. I think he's going to control a lot of this fight. And for $8,800, this new version of Alistair Overeem that fights later on in his career, mm-hmm. it, he's a huge score on DraftKings. If When he wins his last three victories, 128 points, 114, and 106, I I can't say no to those numbers, even if like the, the chance that his chin could get touched. I just I think he has a better chance to beat Sakai than Fabinski does against Muniz. So when I'm going for those two around that same price, I have to mm-hmm. trust Alistair Overeem just a little bit more. Uh, you know, well, and he has a better chance for a finish as well, especially if he, it is like controlling the clinch or something like that, knees up the up the middle, everything like that. Like he has a, a higher possibility of getting a finish over the course of five rounds. Oh, yeah, for sure. And what's funny about that is uh, when Sakai tries to get close to him, Sakai likes to throw those knees too, but you don't play that game. They changed mm-hmm. K1 rules to make Overeem stop doing that to people. Like, and even they, without the juice in the knees, they still <laughs> it was pretty hard. Well, I think Overeem looks like he weighs about the same as he did when he was on the juice, just not quite the same, not, not quite the, the, the weight. The, distrib- the distribute, it's a math problem, and yeah. the distribution, and that you had to round the dividend, and now it's just not in the same... Yeah, we'll, we'll say he Romanoved his weight a little bit. Just a little, <laughs> I, I, hey, I, I wish I looked like that. So we're, we're all yeah. good. But you uh, you wanted to talk about uh, just go straight into DraftKings. That's why I am picking mm-hmm. Alistair Overeem right there at $8,800. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sakai, $7,400. Look, it's Overeem's chin. He could be a great play for you. If you want to throw him in over some of the other dogs that I have, I can list them out in order real quick. The dogs that I have, Jalen Turner, I think he's going to win. Muna is my second dog. Sakai is my third because all of those guys have a pretty clear path to victory. Mm-hmm. So it, after you get done with your core guys for our lineups, which are going to be Carol Rosa at $8,500, King Kong Romanoff, $8,400, Araujo, Araujo, however you want to pronounce it, $8,900, and then Pereira at $82. You can fit all those guys with a Jalen Turner in there. Uh, I'll read off our exact one in a second. So Romanoff, Rosa, Araujo, Reem, Pereira, and Turner. That'll leave you with a couple hundred dollars that you can play with. And I, I love this lineup as far as uh, finishing finishing ability for Romanoff, Reem, Pereira, and Turner. Uh, Araujo can finish her, and then Rosa is going to add up with her volume. I think this is a great card to play. And the, like I said, core lineups, you got Rosa, Romanoff, Araujo, and Pereira. 
Nice. And we will make sure that if anything changes with that, like we said, with any type of cancellations or some changing, or if some new numbers come out, we will shoot that out right out to you guys. So that's part of the reason we bring it up at the beginning to make sure you follow the Twitter accounts because we want to give you guys all of the information. So make sure to follow them as a quick betting recap of what we have for this card. We have the Romanoff to win one unit. He's currently minus 120. So that's different from my notes, but minus 120. I'll have that written down. We'll also blast those out on Twitter as well. And we have Michelle Pereira or Michelle. I'll get that right at some point. At minus 115 to win one unit as well. So that's two bets each to win one unit. Now we will be back next week to preview Santos versus Teixeira. And I'll touch a little bit on Bellator 245 because it's Machida versus Davis 2, and it's actually a halfway decent card. Similar to what we did to the Bader one. It'll just be a couple fights off the top in case something looks good to us. But do not forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, RSS Feed. Remember to subscribe on YouTube if you're watching us live on YouTube right now. Hi, why aren't you subscribed? Shouldn't you subscribe? Like if you're watching us right now live on YouTube, if you subscribe on that, we're trying to get those numbers up, please, so we could share all that stuff out. Like, comment, share. Please, we're trying to spread the word. We're trying to grow reviews on uh, iTunes. We will do our best to try to come up with some type of compensation for that. No, I'm not going to mail you money, but maybe a shout out, especially if you do a review and leave your Twitter handle in there. We'll shout you guys out big on across all of our platforms. And with that, let's roll.